Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Boobs. Let's talk about boobs. I can't believe we haven't done an episode about boobs, breasts, you know, if we want to be anatomically correct, which we claim to be, except we both use the word boobs all the time. That's because the word boobs is the word they use. Right. They being the younger generation. They being people under 45. Correct. (laughs) Correct. I want to start with why and when do breasts grow? Yes. But you're going to reframe my question almost (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Well, because you started by saying it's incredible that we haven't talked about it. And let's just say the elephant in the room, which is it's incredible we haven't talked about it because when we're not podcasting, we We have a bra company. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is what we do a lot of every day is we try to power girls, young women to be able to be comfortable in what they wear over their their breasts, over their boobs. And so this is the pool we're swimming in all day, every day. And it's so funny. We the have a boob pool. The boob pool. It's the <laughs> and and we haven't talked about it on the podcast. So when and how do they grow? We are going to address in this podcast when and how they grow in every body. So yes, in the XX genetic female body. There's a whole path to breast development that we're going to talk about. But 
there is breast growth in about half of all XY bodies as well. And we're going to talk about that. So, you know, my favorite hormone. Actually, it's not my favorite. It's tied for favorite. Wait, estrogen's... Do you consider estrogen your favorite hormone? Well, it's tied with testosterone because they're in control of this whole decade of life. I mean, but they're so obvious, Cara. I know. Like, I feel like I'm like, can't you go to like little known progesterone? <laughs> no, you know, I go with the obvious choice. When you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Oh. Do you like that saying for medicine? Yes. Wow. That was really deep. Okay. So estrogen. estrogen. So est- Should we call her Esty? <laughs> so breast growth is, it is controlled by a number of factors in your body, but the biggest player in that is estrogen. Estrogen is what tells breast tissue to start to grow and develop and differentiate. And so when we always talk on this podcast about puberty happening earlier and what does that look like and what does that mean? We generally say in the genetic female body, it means two things. It means that the estrogen that's circulating in the brain causes a new form of moodiness in many people and the estrogen that is circulating below the neck in the rest of the body, its most obvious early effect is that it causes the breast to grow. And the way breast tissue grows when it's exposed to estrogen. And remember, estrogen, it's not like it's rising slowly to some new steady state. Estrogen surges and falls, surges and falls. Do people have estrogen in their bodies before puberty begins? and all people have estrogen in their bodies. So no matter what your genetics, you have some estrogen and some testosterone. It's just that the levels of estrogen and testosterone, which are actually a little bit higher at birth than people realize, they fall through infancy and then they sit at this very low level for many, many years. Do you remember, you have so many children, this must have happened to at least one of your children. Do you remember one of your babies having breast buds as a baby? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that is the estrogen that came across the placenta from you, okay, into that baby's body. And it made the exact same breast buds that we see in the earliest stages of puberty, which it it looks like there's just a little stack of of dimes underneath the nipple, right? It's sort of this... I always love it when you describe it that way. It's like, who came up with a stack of dimes? Is that yours? I did. It's terrible. (laughs) But I'll take credit. It's like, who even sees a stack of dimes anymore? They don't even exist. My kids are like, everything's on Venmo. What are you talking about? A stack of dimes. But that, that breast bud or those breast buds that you may have seen in an infant were a result of estrogen stimulation. And then the estrogen levels fall because they just go away slowly, naturally over the first few weeks and months of life. And then the estrogen and testosterone stays very, very low. It's existent, but very, very low until kids tip into puberty. And when a body has ovaries, that's where estrogen is produced, and the ovaries are turned up and on and the estrogen starts circulating around the body, that breast tissue is stimulated again. And the very first thing you see is that right underneath the nipple, there is a 
press button. Yes. Stack of dimes. Stack of dimes. AKA stack of dimes. S O D. <laughs> oh God, that's not going to stick. <laughs> it is. I'm totally going to make it work. But you know what's amazing about it is that even though the hormone is circulating through the whole body, sometimes, in fact, I'd say oftentimes, only one breast bud appears. So that's really important for people to know because it can be scary to kids. Terrifying. What do they think they have? Scary to adults. They think they have cancer. Correct. God forbid. Scary to adults who think, oh, there's something wrong with my kid. Maybe the adult doesn't think it's cancer, but they think, oh, my kid's only going to have one breast or there's something wrong. The other thing that can feel scary to adults who are not aware of puberty's earlier onset is that people can get breasts like average age is now seven or eight. Right. Depending on race. Yeah. The way I would frame it is it is completely common and normal for a seven or eight-year-old to have a breast bud. The average age is just a little bit older, but we are talking about somewhere between 25 and 40% of all kids in that age range, depending upon their ethnicity, having some breast development. So it's really, really common. And breast buds, do you remember what they felt like? They were so sensitive. I just want to say one thing. There's a lot of worry and wonder as to why things are happening earlier and why there's difference depending on ethnicity and race. You should listen to our episode with Louise Greenspan to understand the science and the research behind that. We're not going to spend time on it on this episode, but go back to this episode. It's excellent and it's important information. And if you're having those questions, that's a great place to go back. So breast buds are super uncomfortable. When I was first developing and I had breast buds, I abhorred the way they looked. I felt self-conscious. Everything I wore, they were like poking out. It's like they stick out of everything. You can wear the blousiest shirt in the world and it feels like they stick out of everything. I could wear a down puffer coat (laughs) and I would still be able to see my breast buds. And so when we talk about breasts and breast development, it's not just the science of it. Like all of puberty, it's also about how does it make us feel? How do we feel about how we look? Are we noticing other people looking at us? How as parents do we feel when we look at our child, our young child and see breast buds? And so that is precisely why we spend a huge part of our week designing and and sort of branding, for lack of a better word, this bra that we make that helps, it, it was initially designed really to help the youngest kids feel better about their bodies because there was no garment out there on the market that actually addressed the fact that breast buds poked out of everything. All all that was available were these really tissue thin sort of like, my kids call them half tops. They, yeah. That's what they were. They yeah. were like cutoff tops. And then, so what did kids do to find a garment that worked? They put themselves in really tight fitting sports bras or tight fitting thick leotards that would push down the breast bud to make it less noticeable. And unfortunately, I mean, it solved some problems because there are two types of discomfort with breast buds. There's the sensitivity to anything touching them. So kids will describe how a t-shirt can be exquisitely uncomfortable Mm -hmm. when it rubs against a breast bud. And then there's the getting elbowed oh, or the worst. hit with a backpack or, and it's 
painful. I had a mom ask me about her daughter as a wrestler and she was looking for, you know, protection. Well, that's just it. And so a tight fitting garment solved both of those issues because it was a great way to sort of hold the breast bud down as much as possible that, first of all, nothing could bang against it and cause that much pain. And second of all, it was sort of a thick layer between the shirt and the breast. The problem, of course, is that we know, I, I don't have any data to back this up, Vanessa, but we know that when you bind tissue that is growing, the tissue has to compensate for being bound. It has to do something different. It has to grow grow through the pressure. And so we have sort of this epidemic now of women with dense breast tissue, cystic breast disease. And I am so eager to see the study that connects wearing a really tight-fitting garment when your breasts are developing and having dense tissue. It makes perfect scientific sense to me why those two things would go hand in hand. And so that's why we make what we make. But let's talk about breast development a little bit. And I want to spend a minute talking about, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this phrase and it's like sort of gross, but we need to talk about it. Puffy nipples. Yeah. So this is the path through breast development. And I don't care what your genetics are. If you have enough estrogen on board the typical order of operations is the first thing that happens is this lump pops up under the nipple, right? And that's the breast bud. And then the next thing that happens is the tissue around the nipple, right around the nipple, gets sort of swollen and puffy looking. And then eventually, with enough time and enough hormone, you end up with a... a, early breast that looks sort of like a, it almost looks like a floppy triangle turned on its side, right? It's got this, this point at the end that that's round and bulbous. That's the, the breast bud that's pushing out. And then this sort of swollen amorphous look that's kind of triangular, kind of conical. It's this weird shape, right? And it, it seems to poke out of And that can be true regardless of whether you're XX or XY. Yes. And for the genetic males who have breast development, it is downright shameful for some of them because no one has told them that this can be a normal part of their development and their breast buds will go away. The reason their breast buds will go away is they will likely not have enough estrogen on board to continue the development or the testosterone that they're starting to develop will counterbalance the estrogen. And so slowly over time, that will go away. The the term for breast development in males is gynecomastia, okay? And it's very hard on these kids. It's very shameful, but 50% of genetic males have some version of that. That's right. And we need to normalize it for them and explain some of the signs to them and reassure them. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable. 
a company I founded with my friend, Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft, and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbra's. It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info, at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. 
We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. Hi, I'm Allie Colbert. I'm bisexual, so I'm attracted to both women and food. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I host The Ali Colbert Show, where we talk all things dating, sexuality, pop culture, television advice, everything queer. We are the anti-basic podcast. We do amazing interviews with my friends who are hilarious stand-up comedians and have on interesting authors, writers, and actors. So if you want to laugh, listen to steamy stories, or learn some new dating tricks, this is for you. Listen in wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else. Now, an interesting side note about why some of them get breast development and others don't has to do with carrying excess body weight. So I want to walk you through it because it's complicated, but let me see if I can do it, okay? So when you have fat cells in the body, extra fat cells in the body, fat cells do a lot of different things. One of the jobs they have is to do what's called peripheral conversion of hormone. What that means is they're peripheral. They're on the outside of your body. They're in the skin, okay? And conversion, they're flipping hormones from one form inactive to another more active. And so the more fat tissue a body has, it turns out the more peripheral conversion to estrogen that body has. Okay, so what does that mean for genetic females and for genetic males? Well, for genetic females who are going to produce estrogen in their ovaries, when they start to produce just a little bit of estrogen, but they also have estrogen being produced in these fat cells, they get to a level of estrogen that is relatively much higher than what just their ovaries would put out. And so their breasts start to grow faster. So you will have kids who are carrying extra body weight, some of whom carry the weight 
at their breasts and it's just fat tissue, some of whom have accelerated breast development because of the combination of fat tissue and peripheral conversion. And this explains a little bit, we think, about why genetic females who carry extra body weight also tip into other stages of puberty earlier. For genetic males, it's amazing. There is an impact that looks different for kids who carry a little extra body weight and a lot of extra body weight. And you have to go with me here, but genetic males have the same issue where some of them carry the extra fat tissue at their breasts and it looks like breast tissue. Others have enough peripheral conversion that the estrogen levels in their bodies rise and they actually have breast development, okay? And you can be a very slim male and have high estrogen levels in your body and get some breast development. But for overweight versus obese young males, it's amazing because the amount of body fat you have impacts the amount of estrogen peripheral conversion. And so genetic males who are overweight but not obese have relatively less estrogen than genetic males who are obese. And that turns out to be at least one explanation for why obese genetic males tend to have delayed puberty Hmm. because the estrogen, there's enough of it that it's going to offset testosterone because they work like on a seesaw and they offset one another's impacts in certain tissues. And it's enough estrogen that it actually delays the impact of testosterone in their body. So when you start reading the data and you look at kids who carry extra weight in the obese community, genetic females go into puberty earlier and genetic males go into puberty later. So interesting. Did I do that? You did clearly it enough brilliantly because it's I feel confusing. like I feel like I just got like a whole. You got a PhD. PhD. <laughs> now I don't need to get one because you just gave me one. Let's talk about asymmetry. Ah, uh, yes. We talked about asymmetry in breast buds, but I want to talk about asymmetry in breasts in general. There are stages of breast growth. Do you want to walk us through the stages of breast growth, and we can think about like. Well, why don't they look exactly the same? So we've talked about Tanner stages before, but just as a review for people who don't remember the conversation, Tanner stages are the stages of breast development, penile and testicular growth, and hair development that were codified in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. And in the Care and Keeping of You, for instance, we have this page that all these girls the read, right? Page. That famous page where there are a, there's a row of female bodies and... There's Tanner stage one, two, three, four, and five. Tanner's name is not on there. It just says stage one, two, three, four, and five, showing the five stages of breast development. One is nada, nothing happening, prepubescent. Five is fully adult, fully grown. And two, three, and four are the stages in between. So two is breast budding and that early sort of puffy nipple stage. Three is when you have much more breast tissue development, but you don't have differentiation between the nipple and the rest of the breast. Four is when the nipple starts to develop much more erectile tissue, which can make the nipple shrink down and get hard and sort of stick out. And also the areola, which is the dark part, will get darker relative 
to the skin color. So, and you still have more breast growth in stage four. So that's two, three, and four. And, you know, I cannot tell you how many kids over the years have emailed me, texted me, DM'd me, called me to tell me, oh my God, I can't believe hours in front of the mirror, holding up the book, even maybe in my own home. I don't know that I have permission to tell that story, but maybe in my own home, there was some tanner staging happening with those pages of the book. So those are the stages of breast development. And how long does that last? Like it, how long does a body move from stage one really to stage five? Vary. Okay. In, when we were growing up, it was much faster. Mm-hmm. You know, most bodies passed through that stage in two to three years, went from one to five. Um, Today, it's much more prolonged because it starts earlier, but it doesn't happen faster. It happens slower. So breasts are growing and changing for years and years. And then as as we women know, anyone with breasts knows, they change size and shape. Oh I my mean, God. constantly. Right? Do they ever? Day to day, week to week, month to month, which is impacted by your hormone loads and your salt loads and your hydration status and where you are in your menstrual cycle and all these and variables. pregnancy and breastfeeding and all menopause and all of that. So right. it's, it's a lifelong evolution. I do want to mention that if you have a child in your house who is menstruating and has breasts, you want to let them know that it's normal for their breasts to change in shape and size and tenderness throughout their cycles, because it can be very frightening if you have soreness or pain in your breasts, or they look different at different times of the month. In fact, at Umla, that's the reason why we have color-coded sizing. And we have, I'd say the majority of Umbra wearers own two sizes. Depending and, on and them. And they know they look for right. their color when I'm having my period, because breast size can go up by one or two full sizes when you've got, you know, you've got surges of certain hormones and you're retaining water and you're doing all that. But you asked about asymmetry and I want to... I'm going to ask a leading question. Yeah. Hara, are all (laughs) breasts, are the two breasts exactly the same and perfectly symmetrical? (laughs) My answer is always, they don't talk. (laughs) They don't talk. Your legs are different lengths right? The sides of your faces are different. I don't know if you've done that app yet on your phone where... I, I, I don't you, want to. It's, it's really it's where you terrifying. make your face symmetric right. and you look and so weird. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> do they have the app for your boobs? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> and yet it's a fair analogy because breasts don't talk. And for the vast, vast majority of people, their breasts land at different sizes. And some are noticeable, and some are not. And I used to say in my teaching, oh, they'll basically even out over time. And then I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people. Not necessarily. Nope, nope, nope. But what I can say is for genetically male bodies, most genetic males who develop tan or two breasts, which is usually the just the very beginning of gynecomastia, most of them, everything will, it's called involute, which means just go away over time. They're are some males who still continue to have breast tissue. And that is something that you may want to manage medically if it's something that does not feel good to you and you feel self-conscious about how your body looks, you know, when you're swimming, when you're doing whatever. But that breast tissue, it can also look asymmetric. So it's, this is, again, this is not just a female issue. Let's discuss lumps and bumps. So, Breasts are lumpy and bumpy. 
And I talked a little bit about dense tissue and cystic breast disease. Cysts are fluid collections inside the body. In breasts, they're very common. I don't know that I would call them normal. They are normal to have now, but we don't really have a great understanding of why some people have more. Certainly people who have more will often describe having much more swelling of their breasts at certain times of the month that is hormonally impacted. But then there are other lumps and bumps that are not cysts. And so what is really, really important, and believe it or not, I'm going to say for everyone, regardless of your gender identity, regardless of what genetics you have, you should learn to do a self-breast exam. And, you know, it's there are lots of places you can learn to do it. We actually, in the care and keeping of you too, we have a, a whole spread on how to do it because it takes some getting used to and some kids need to hear it over and over. But the method that I like the best is the clock method where you just start at 12 o'clock and you work your way around the clock and you really use two fingers and use small circles and you start very far away from the nipple and you do a couple rotations and then you step towards the nipple and a couple rotations, step towards it, and then you get to the nipple and then you move to one o'clock and you do it again and then you move to two o'clock. Lumps and bumps come and go through a hormonal cycle and so most pediatricians, family practice doctors and gynecologists will tell kids not to do exams when they're having their period, because that is the lumpiest, bumpiest time. But in fact, to clock when, oh, and my period's over, that's a great time of the month to do my exam. And let me just say, while there are rare cases, I have never met a kid whose lump or bump is breast cancer. It is really not a disease of childhood. That being said, if you're nervous, if your kid is nervous, there is no harm in having a medical professional do a breast exam. And it's great for them to practice and know how to do it while they're still living in your home because it's something as they grow into adults, they will definitely need to do and know how to do. I want to finish with breast reductions because having large breasts can impact other physical aspects and emotional aspects of people's lives back pain, issues with athletic, feeling objectified, comments, self-conscious, all of that. So there's a, we could do a whole episode just on that issue in itself. But I want you to talk for a minute about what is safe and when is it safe? If you have a kid who comes to you and says, I need a breast reduction, I can't handle this. How do you handle that? Yeah, I think I'll reframe it instead of being safe. Let's do effective. Oh, um, good. Right, okay. because... There are questions about when surgeries are safe and not safe, and that's going to vary from person to person. But by and large, a breast reduction surgery that is done before the breasts are done growing is going to be an ineffective breast reduction surgery. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So most pediatricians use age 18 as the sort of bar before which there are surgeons who will do the surgery before then. And there are some kids who, if you have incapacitating back pain, if there are reasons why you need to have the breast surgery, if there are mental health issues where there is a size discrepancy between the two breasts that is so dramatic and it is really impact that these are different circumstances, but for the typical 
person who is considering a breast reduction, it is really, really uncommon to recommend it before 18 because when it happens before 18, chances are that person is back in the operating room getting it done again a few years later. The surgery has changed radically over the last few decades. It's important to go see a surgeon who will do what's called duct sparing surgery. Duct sparing surgery allows that breast to produce and deliver milk should the individual wish to breastfeed a child down the road. We're going to wrap with a practical puberty takeaway. And mine is, regardless of gender, there can be breast development. And we want to make sure our kids know they are not the only one and to open lines of communication about how they're feeling about their breast development, again, regardless of gender, because it can have a real emotional impact. And I'm going to take from there and take it a step further. The way kids feel about their breasts changes over time. And so if you have a kid who has really strong feelings in the moment and you and they want to do something about it, This is one to maybe sit on and talk about a little bit and wait and make sure that the feelings that they think they have now last because there are a lot of kids for whom breast size, they feel like they don't have the right breast size for them. But if you wait six months or a year or two years and go back and have that conversation again, their feelings have changed. So this is one to talk about a lot but not necessarily to do anything super quickly. Thanks, Cara. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.